engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Good evening, it is Eric Erickson here, News 95.5, AM 750 WSB, Atlanta's Evening News here at 5.09. Uh, big update first, uh, scans were good, thanks for the prayers. Uh, no new tumors and the existing ones aren't growing, uh, that's the best we can hope for, and so we're, we're quite happy. Um, Christy had to stick around for a few more pokes and prods this afternoon, but blood work was good, her scans were good, so thank you. All for the prayers. Now, let's get into the news. We've got to get to the president's executive order on citizenship. First, you do need to know a new poll has come out showing Stacey Abrams ahead of Brian Kemp by a point. Uh, would still require a runoff. The Libertarian holding steady at 2%. He hasn't budged in the polling by and large. Here's the thing. I dismiss this poll. It, it's a Fox 5 opinion savvy poll. Uh, it's a good pollster, but I dismiss the polling. And here's why I dismiss it. And don't think you should freak out about it. Um, it was a poll conducted on a Sunday and Monday. Uh, it is very hard to get 650 plus likely voters on a Sunday and a Monday unless you're doing a robo poll. The polling hasn't specified from what I've seen. That's my guess. And you're talking about the Sunday after the University of Georgia beat the University of Florida in Jacksonville. So half of Georgia wasn't even home. They were driving back from Jacksonville too hungover to answer the phone. So you're not getting a representative sample. Even though the pollsters try to get a representative sample, you never get a good sample of conservatives on a Sunday. You may get Republicans, but you don't necessarily get conservatives, and that skews the numbers. The reason being is because um, Republicans who are more to the right tend to be in church on Sunday or with family, um, watching sporting activities, what have you. They're not answering pollsters on a Sunday. So you're saying Sampling gets skewed. The fact that you did a poll on a Sunday, Monday that had Stacey Abrams only one point ahead of Brian Kemp suggests Brian Kemp is actually ahead. Uh, that's actually good news for Brian Kemp. I will tell you there is data suggesting Democrats are seeing a surge of early voting. Uh, this is not good news for the Republicans. Republicans had been doing very well in Georgia, and it looks like they're starting to fall behind in early voting. Uh, my suspicion is that Republicans have been hearing all this news about Republicans trending ahead in early voting and decided they weren't needed. And in fact, now what we're seeing is Democrats are surging in early voting. In a lot of areas in the state, there's early voting on Sundays. Uh, the numbers I have seen from Sunday early voting in Georgia is that it was basically a nine to one Democratic advantage, which is obscene. Uh, a nine to one Democratic advantage on Sunday early voting in Georgia. That is totally obscene. Uh, I have long said Sunday early voting is, is a bad idea uh, because you're forcing pollsters to work on Sundays. Many of them do it volunteer to begin with. It's just I, I'm terribly opposed to it. I think even the, the people who are voting or running the polls need a day off. Um, it, it is not because it skews Democrat, but it does. Uh, and in this case, nine to one Democrat. I am telling you guys. The Democrats in Georgia are looking at the governor's race and thinking it is very winnable. And the data I am seeing is saying it can be very, very close. 
Republicans ran out of the gate, uh, looked like they were dominating early voting, which uh, they don't often do. And now they're starting, it looks like, to take it for granted. And the Democrats are coming on strong here at the end of early voting. We've got a week to go from today. Uh, At 6 o'clock tonight, Jeff Duncan is going to join me. He is running for lieutenant governor in Georgia. We will talk to him about the campaign. we got to get to the president and the executive order on citizenship. The phone number, I guess I should tell you, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. So the president says he has not signed it. There have been some bad, bad reports on this. The president has not signed an executive order ending birthright citizenship. He says he will sign an executive order ending birthright citizenship, but he has not actually signed it. Now, the issue is whether or not he actually can do that. Is it constitutional? And there is some level of debate. I want to explain to you the debate. Um, First of all, we should start at the beginning. The Dred Scott case back in the early 1800s, said that a slave born in the United States was not a citizen. That was part of what it determined. The early Americans believed that they were premised on English common law. And there was an English common law doctrine for um, birthright citizenship. Now, this differed from most of continental Europe. Most of continental Europe had the idea that you could not have birthright citizenship. You had to apply for citizenship. But most of continental Europe did not have what the British had. The British had a massive global empire. When the British said the sun never set on the, on the British empire, they were actually being literal with that. There was in every line of longitude, except through the spans of sea, there was territory controlled by the British by and large. So the sun didn't set on the British Empire. It was always sunlight somewhere in the world on a piece of land owned by the British. Well, the British needed to be able to control those people. So the British common law idea became birthright citizenship. If you were born within the British Empire, you were subject to the crown of England. As a result, you became a citizen within the empire. Even now with the Commonwealth, you can travel between the Commonwealth nations within the former British Empire. Well, the Americans came from the British Empire. They had this idea that they were British citizens. That's part of the reason we had the revolution is because they believed they were British citizens. So along comes the Dred Scott case that says, okay, yes, this applies to white people, but it doesn't apply to black people. So when they passed the 14th Amendment, there was one guy who helped author the 14th Amendment who says in the congressional record that this does not mean birthright citizenship. It only this essentially they're applying birthright citizenship to slaves who were born into this country and were otherwise not citizens. But for the rest of them, they weren't. Well, everyone else, if you read the congressional record over the 14th Amendment debate, really disputes this. And the common argument for most people with the 14th Amendment was that this would restore the British common law that Americans thought they had. It would completely reverse Dred Scott and would replace 
all of the Dred all of the decisions that came after Dred Scott and would essentially affirm that we derived our heritage from British common law and the British common law heritage was birthright citizenship. So fast forward after the 14th Amendment, what you see are legal cases that have never specifically addressed the point. But if you read them, you can tell it contemplates that we derive from this British idea of birthright citizenship, which was distinct from continental European systems. Most of President Trump's appointments to the federal court are on the record supporting the 14th Amendment birthright citizenship. So if the president, for example, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, which covers uh, Texas and Louisiana, no, 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 I'm sorry. Um, this circuit covers Texas. I, I forget. Anyway, the Fifth Circuit covers Texas for sure. And that is where most of the anti-Obama immigration decisions have gone. Uh, the executive order or the, the judicial injunctions restraining Barack Obama and DACA and all that have come out of the Fifth Circuit, have come out of Texas. Jim Ho and um, Don Willett are both now on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. They are President Trump appointees. Both have written in the past that birthright citizenship is in the 14th Amendment. Uh, so if this case gets to the Fifth Circuit, and that's probably where any um, support for the president is going to come from the Fifth Circuit, they're going to find Trump appointees who say, no, no, the fourth, 14th Amendment contemplates birthright citizenship. You can fix this, but it takes a constitutional amendment. There is the dispute over whether or not the 14th Amendment actually applies to birthright citizenship actually is a very recent phenomenon within the past 20 years. This is a very new argument within the past 20 years that it doesn't actually mean birthright citizenship, what it says. And even among those who think it doesn't, a lot of them actually are okay with it for a very particular reason most people who are opposed to it don't even contemplate. And I want to tell you what that reason is when we come back. Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you struggle putting your kids to bed each night when you sleep poorly? How does it impact the rest of your day? Well, there's a great app to help you get to sleep at night. And I can tell you, we've started using it in our family. Jonathan Last, actually, a friend of mine from the Weekly Standard recommended this. He and his family have used it for a very long time. Uh, the app is called Calm. We have gotten to the point now where... Our kids now sleep in separate rooms, and our youngest has wanted to sleep with the dog. Our oldest has wanted some sort of sound machine at night. Well, this app, Calm, it's the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was named App of the Year last year by Apple. And if you head to calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including sleep stories, which are bedtime tales for grown-ups designed to quiet your minds and relax your body. They're read by soothing narrators like Clark Peters from The Wire and Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. There are guided meditations on topics like anxiety, stress, and sleep, and there's soothing music and more. For a limited time, the Eric Erickson Show listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash E-R-I-C-K. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content that will have you drifting off to dreamland in no time at all. Get started today at calm.com slash Eric, then get to sleep. It is 26 after the hour. 
Um, before I get into the the ramifications of getting rid of birthright citizenship, and there are some, uh, including why um, William Pitt the Younger insisted on giving people rights within the British Empire, um, I want to play a clip for you that I had never heard before. You're going to love it. Uh, yeah, Ronald Reagan was shot uh, within two months of the beginning of his first term. And in 1987, he went to West Berlin where he was confronting the Soviets and a balloon popped very loudly, sounded like a gunshot. This is Reagan during that moment. By its very existence and character, Berlin remains the most compelling argument for an open world. We're reminded of the many traditions of openness and democracy that have marked the history of this city. Amer missed me. <laughs> I'd never seen that clip before. <laughs> missed me. Stops in mid-speech and says that. <laughs> what a guy. Um, when we come back, the, the implications of getting rid of birthright citizenship and whether or not the president can do it. Um, there's a... a it's it's not honestly it's not that contentious it's fairly well settled within legal circles that the president can't do it by executive order any more than barack obama could expand daca through executive order that's part of the problem here but we'll explore it and the implications of doing it when we come back here on wsb It is 39 after the hour. I'm trying not to choke. Don't you hit it when you take a big swig of water and it goes down wrong? Nonetheless, I will survive. Welcome back. The phone number is 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go to the phones. Mike in Marietta. Welcome. Uh, If I can actually click the button there. Somebody's going to have to fire Mike up because there you go, Mike. Sorry, the call screening program is wonky today. How are you? Oh, I got all fired up. Well, okay. Um, I was just wondering what you think about, you know, the uh, the 14th Amendment says it all in the very first sentence. To me, it's pretty clear that, you know, um, yeah. you're born here and, and you're, you know, and you're also a uh, um, a citizen of the state you reside in. So, I mean, if you're illegally here, you're obviously not under the jurisdiction of anywhere except for where you came from. Well, so the history, the, the line, and let me read this. My, 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 I, hi to my buddy Casey, who says I need to um, read this amendment. Um, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the and state the, wherein they reside. No state exactly. shall make or enforce any law. So now, according to the historic perspective here, um, what this line is and subject to the jurisdiction thereof in the congressional record, um, it is according to the members of Congress at the time, the, this applies to people with diplomatic immunity, ambassadors and whatnot, because they weren't subject to the jurisdiction thereof. The, right. the common law understanding, would- the common law understanding from Britain is that, if you were born in the British Empire, you were subject to the jurisdiction of the British Empire. So 
the only application exception there was if you were an ambassador and you were an ambassador to Great Britain or in the British Empire well, and well, your well, family was you had a child born uh, while you were there. Would this extend to invaders, though? I mean, would this extend? So what, you're, what the left is saying then, if the Vikings came over and set foot on the ground, um, you know, there uh, and dropped the baby, uh, the baby's, you know, he's good to go. I mean, you know, an invading group like we have on the way here, it's kind of scary. Well, yeah, although thank God they're not coming armed. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that, that well, helps were, tremendously. Um, yeah, they were reporting later today that this latest group is armed. I heard that on WSB today. Well, no, they're not. Now, there, there is a small Good. group at the border between Guatemala and Mexico uh, that is having issues, and they're not able to get into Mexico. And as they're not able to get into Mexico, they can't make it here. They have sealed those people out. Uh, it was a smaller group. They were violent. Uh, they are in no way, shape, or form getting here. Uh, it is the large group, though. They are not armed. I have seen media reports on some of the fringy websites that they're armed, but they're not. Um, even Fox has gone down and checked them out. They are not uh, armed, thankfully. And I don't know that they're going to be able to cross the border anyway with the president sending troops to the border. Now 5,200. So let's break down this amendment. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof. What does that mean? According to the people who wrote the 14th Amendment, the subject to the jurisdiction thereof part referred to Everyone except those with, by then it was already an established, well-settled principle, diplomatic immunity. So if you're born here and you are not part of diplomatic staff of another country, you're presumed to be subject to the jurisdiction of the United States. That's the way it has historically been read. And in if you read it that way, and that's what the people who wrote it seem to suggest it means, then if you're born in this country, you become an American citizen. The only exception being if you are born and your parents are in the diplomatic corps of another country. So all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside. So in other words, if you're born here, you become a citizen of the United States and the state where you live. Now, historically, this was designed to undo Dred Scott. It was designed to apply to slaves. But what Dred Scott did was it got rid of the English common law understanding of if you're born on our land, you become one of us. Here's the problem. There are two problems. One is, listen, I'm not wedded to the idea of birthright citizenship, but I'm vehemently opposed to the idea that the president of the United States can undo it with an executive order. None of you should want that power. After eight years of seeing what Barack Obama did with executive orders, you should not want any president to have that power. And this isn't about Donald Trump. This is about the presidency. The president of the United States, whoever that person is, should not have the power to change a historic understanding through an executive order. This should be an act of Congress. In fact, 
the amendment in section four says Congress shall have their is it section two or three of the amendment. Um, it says Congress is going to have the power to deal with this, not the president. So I don't think any president should have the power to do what President Trump proposes. But there's another problem, and it is the problem that continental Europe has, the ghettos. Continental Europe right now, France, Germany, uh, and several other countries in, in Europe, Italy, they don't have birthright citizenship. So what you have is a class of second-tier resident in countries who have no political power, and so they begin to agitate. Listen, no president in this country, including Donald Trump, has rounded up all the illegal aliens and sent them home. They're not going to do that. Donald Trump is not going to actually do that. He hasn't done it. He's had two years with a complete Republican control of Congress, and he still hasn't rounded them all up. It's not going to happen. And so what's going to happen now is this class of people is going to grow. And what Central Europe has found in the last 100 years, 200 years of this, is that these are people who have no emotional investment in that country. Germany and the Turks is is a good example, or or France and, and Islamic populations. Those groups have no emotional investment in the country because they're not citizens, but they're there. It's home to them. They're not leaving. We don't want this to happen in this country. And even some of the most diehard immigration restrictionists in this country, like Mark Krikorian, are really opposed to getting rid of birthright citizenship because of this, because of the second-class person we would create in this country. In this country and in the British Empire, if you're born here, suddenly you become a citizen, and so you're invested in the welfare of this country as a whole, as well as your own welfare. And so you have an emotional stake in the country. In Central Europe, their immigrant, their immigrant populations don't, and it's reflected in what happens in those countries. We've got to be real careful about this. It's 56 after the hour. We're only got about a minute left. Uh, when we come back, uh, the early voting numbers, I'll break them down for you. The polling in Georgia and the battleground states. Interesting Senate numbers. I, a buddy of mine showed me an outside poll conducted in Missouri that has Josh Howley seven points ahead of Claire McCaskill. She herself has gone on a meltdown over the other Democrats in the Senate, assured everyone she's not one of them. And what makes that seven points interesting is this was a live operator poll, not a robo poll. Those tend to be live operator polls more credible. But when we come back, the state of play. Also, we'll get into more on the birthright citizenship issue, uh, whether it should be done away with. And if so, can the president do it? A lot of lawyers out there today, not a lot of argument from them, though. Most of them tend to agree. Good evening. Welcome. It is nine after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talking. You can get me all over social media at EW Erickson, whether Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, what have you. Now, joining me on the phone, on the campaign trail, no less, been cooped up in a bus for days, uh, State Representative Jeff Duncan, the Lieutenant Governor nominee for the GOP. Uh, how are you? 
Doing well. Good afternoon. I'm actually in our car, headed off the uh, the bus trip for a couple of quick hours to head to my son's football banquet, end of the year banquet. So we're uh, driving up 400 right now. Uh, so does it just get smelly on the bus after everybody's been on there for days? <laughs> well, well, it, well. We've uh, yeah, we're bouncing around every which way. My eight year old, who most of Georgia's getting to see on TV now, has been riding with. Uh, Brian and Marty's uh, daughters, they've been uh, having a big time up on their bus. So, yeah, it's, it's been fun. Look, I spent more time on a bus than any politician. I spent six years in the minor leagues. Yeah, no kidding. And, and I, I mean, so when you get out in, like, well, South Georgia, do you do you tell people you were a yellow jacket instead of a dog? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. So, so the way I answer that is I usually ask the room how many Georgia fans there are, and, and uh, obviously a bunch of hands go up, and I tell them that Georgia didn't offer me a scholarship. Well, there you uh, the go. Night Georgia Tech came to watch me pitch in high school. I threw a nine-inning no strikeout. Nice. Well, what are you seeing out there on the campaign trail? I, I, my sense from from talking to various Republicans is that there's a lot of optimism, but also a lot of nervousness. Um, that Democratic turnout is surprising people, but everybody still thinks that the Republicans are going to be okay. Uh, how are you seeing it from the bus? There's a ton of energy, right? And, and look, I've seen the energy continue to build. I, you know, I think that the, the un-American process of, of Brett Kavanaugh really, I think, was a catalyst for a wake-up call for folks to say, look, if, if we like what we've got, we've got to make sure that we show up and voice our opinion in the ballot box. And we continue to see that energy uh, go forward. And, you know, look, it's just hard for me to believe that, that anybody's going to wake up and go to the ballot box on November 6th and say, I just don't like where Georgia's at, right? I, I don't like a 3.7% unemployment, fully funded K-12 and a tax cut for the first time in the history of the state, it's just hard for me to think somebody doesn't want to be continue to see that happen. Right. Well, and the Democrats certainly are running on major expansions of entitlements in Georgia, uh, and they're thus far not saying they want tax increases, but if we have to have a balanced budget, I'm not sure how they're going to pay for everything. Yeah, well, look, we can't afford the other side, right? I just It's just that simple, blocking and tackling. And I remind folks, you know, the 10% in the middle, right? 45% are going to vote for Republicans and 45% are going to vote for Democrats. We always seem to really try to figure out that 10% in the middle. And, and what we need to communicate to them is we can't afford another idea. You may not be with us on every single issue, but continue to let us have conservative successes. Continue to let us focus on public safety and education and all these big ideas, especially around health care. I mean, that's you mentioned it a second ago. You know, we can't afford to just let government run health care. We watched what that looked like with Obamacare. Yeah. And now wanted to expand Medicaid in the state. And I noticed we've also had there's been an ad that's run here with Dubose Porter attacking both Brian Kemp and you for not wanting to expand Medicaid in the state. Look, I've spent a tremendous amount of time in the legislature. I wrote the rural health care relief bill a tax credit program that allows individuals and corporations to write checks directly to rural hospitals and get 100% tax credits back. That's empowering communities to solve these issues. Here's what I know about healthcare. Georgia's got an opportunity to really innovate over the next few years. I think we've got an opportunity to deliver uh, telehealth in a way that no other state's trying to figure out and really invite the world to come here and innovate. And I think also with price transparency. You know, if we can log on to an app and find out where the cheapest place to get a prescription is, we ought to be able to do that for other healthcare services, knee replacements and checkups and mammograms and all the other things out there. As, as Georgians, we ought to want to be able to innovate, and I think we can. 
I think so. Now, I'm talking to Jeff Duncan, our next lieutenant governor. So you're running for lieutenant governor. And I think a, a lot of people, they pay attention to the governor's race and, and not necessarily to the lieutenant governor's race. What is your real message out there on the campaign trail? Look, I, I've got drawn into to looking at this opportunity for lieutenant governor because I realized after five brief years in the General Assembly that I'm a policy over politics guy. And as lieutenant governor, you get to sit in a position where you're, you've got your fingers on the pulse of all the policy coming through the state. And, and I feel like that's, you know, look, my, I didn't get into this position uh, coming through the political realm. I was a baseball guy with, you know, in the minor leagues. I was a business guy. I started and sold a company. And so I look through the lens of a small business owner, and my leadership style is one that looks for opportunities to empower those that work with me and ask a lot of really good questions and go just represent folks, hardworking folks across Georgia. That's what's gotten my attention for this job. And, and really, that's how I won a tough primary. Was I, I, I feel like my message of, of looking through the same lens that the taxpayers do. And you know, I got three kids in the public school system up here in Forsyth County. Education is important. The opportunities that education creates, personal responsibility. Those are values that I believe in and I was taught as a youngster. And I get the opportunity to teach my three kids now with my wife. How has the reception been with a, a House guy coming into the Senate? Given the, the, the fun contentiousness, I can't tell you how often I hear people on both sides say that the, the Democrats are the opposition, but it's the other other House that's the enemy. And, and yet here comes a guy from the House who's going to take up position of lieutenant governor. How are the senators adjusting to this? Yeah, it's been great. Great relationship that I've been able to form. Look, I worked well with those guys. You know, they, they were a part of all the big bills, Michael's Law and the Cargo Theft Act and the Rural Health Care Bill. Uh, look, and here at the end of the day, my job is not to go in there and try to act like I'm the smartest guy in the room. It's to go work with them and to build a team that really goes and represents what the values of Georgia are. And, and, and I, I think given the opportunity, I'm going to walk in there and, 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 and work with a team and continue to build a team that, that looks for ways to lower taxes, improve public safety, improve education. You know, look, education is one of those areas that I think we as Republicans can really – truly make some great strides on because the greatest gift i think a, a, a the state of georgia can give a child is a quality k-12 education i think we can innovate around technology and empower educators with more technology in the classroom but at the end of the day if that child doesn't have engagement or involvement from their parents or guardians at home they're exponentially going to have a tougher time than, than a kid that does have engagement that technology, I believe, is going to help engage those those family members at home, yeah. helping to raise those children. Amen to that. It's amazing the the studies I read more and more about uh, the the difference between an A student and any other student is just how engaged their parents are. Uh, it's just staggering um, what parental involvement can do for education. Yeah, and look, kids have all kinds of difficult situations, right? They got single parent homes. They've got you know grandparents or aunts or uncles or you know foster care or adoptive home. I mean, there, there's all kinds of tough situations, but we ought to be able to partner with our public school systems and our charter schools and our private schools and work with communities to empower communities to be able to be more involved. Like everything we want to accomplish in Georgia has to start with a quality education. It has to. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And it, it makes me very nervous to hear the Democrats wanting to get rid of the Opportunity Scholarship and even re- curtail some of the reforms you guys have done on charter schools. Uh, it just, just seems so beholden to uh, special interests as opposed to actually looking at improving education for the kids out there. Yeah, look, I, I, like I said, I look through the lens of, of three kids in a public school system. Brooke and I you know, are, are, are blessed to live in a community like Forsyth County that just does so good at educating kids. 
really puts the child at the center of that of that education process. But not every community can can wake up and send their kids off to a school that's performing like we do. And so, look, we've got to be able to make sure that the closest uh, decision makers to that child, which I believe is at the kitchen table, is able to have a voice and be able to put those kids in the best quality position they can to give them that opportunity to provide for themselves and their family for a lifetime. There should be nothing else at the center of our decisions around education than the child. You know, so we've got really less than a minute, and i got to tell you, the, it has occurred to me in our conversation, the most unusual thing is I'm actually having a conversation with a politician, and I'm not having to interrupt you, uh, which I appreciate. Normally, a politician comes on, and i got to interrupt because they filibuster. I appreciate you having concise points that end in a period. Thank you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate what you do and the, and the awareness you bring to all the issues that are out there. Well, listen, good luck to you on the campaign trail. Uh, I will certainly be voting for you, as I'm sure a large segment of this audience will. And I know you've got one more exhausting week to go, so my best to you and your family. I'm glad you're able to sneak away for some family time tonight. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. And uh, check us out on teamduncan.org. Thanks very much. Jeff Duncan, he will be the next lieutenant governor next week, I presume. The polling looks very good for him, which is another reason, by the way, that I think that uh, Brian Kemp certainly has an advantage over Stacey Abrams is the lower tier races are all very Republican still. Uh, you still got to get out and vote. Um, but Jeff Duncan will be a fantastic lieutenant governor. And it's nice to see a Republican in a state that has very entrenched Republicans now really running as a reformer, which he has run the whole way through, um, bringing more common sense to the state legislature and going from the House to the Senate. Uh, so get out and vote for Jeff Duncan, lieutenant governor. Do you have trouble sleeping? Do you struggle putting your kids to bed each night? When you sleep poorly, how does it impact the rest of your day? Well, there's a great app to help you get to sleep at night, and I can tell you we've started using it in our family. Jonathan Last, actually, a friend of mine from the Weekly Standard, recommended this. He and his family have used it for a very long time. Uh, the app is called Calm. We have gotten to the point now where our kids now sleep in separate rooms, and our youngest has wanted to sleep with the dog. Our oldest has wanted some sort of sound machine at night. Well, this app, Calm, it's the number one app for sleep, meditation, and relaxation. It was named App of the Year last year by Apple. And if you head to calm.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, you'll get 25% off a Calm premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of premium programs, including sleep stories, which are bedtime tales for grown-ups designed to quiet your minds and relax your body. They're read by soothing narrators like Clark Peters from The Wire and Jerome Flynn from Game of Thrones. There are guided meditations on topics like anxiety, stress, and sleep, and there's soothing music and more. For a limited time, the Eric Erickson Show listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash Eric. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash E-R-I-C-K. It includes unlimited access to all of Calm's amazing content that will have you drifting off to dreamland in no time at all. Get started today at calm.com slash Eric, then get to sleep. It's 26 after the hour. Oh boy. Let's see. We got angry people upset about my statement on birthright citizenship. You know, I, I kind of, I, I wonder if people understand that some of the people who I see, let me put it to you this way. Some of the people who I see out there cheering the president doing what he's doing with birthright citizenship through executive order were livid with Barack Obama doing what he did with DACA and DAPA um, through executive order. And 
I really this is this is not about President Trump at all. This is about the presidency itself. And I don't think the president of the United States should or does under our constitution have the power to change immigration laws dealing with citizenship through executive power. I don't think he can do it. Congress can do it. I think you can amend the constitution to do it, but I don't think through executive power, the president can do it through executive order. The president can do it. Here's the thing. If president Trump can do this with an executive order, the next president can undo it. So you could have a small class of people in this country who are not legal citizens and you know what the next president's going to do? He's going to undo it, and then he's going to say, "Hey, now we got to make this right." And you're going to have just another dreamer situation with a bunch of Republicans in Congress falling all over themselves for that as well. It is 39 after the hour. Welcome back. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let me see if I can do several topics in this segment. Um, first, I want to back up to the early voting numbers. As it stands, at the end of uh, last week, more Republican voters had voted in Georgia early than Democratic voters, which is unusual. And that is a good um, that's a good sign for Republicans in Georgia. The problem is that on Thursday, Friday, Sunday and Monday, there was a real surge for Democrats. So when you take the early voting numbers for really Friday, and then Sunday, Sunday small, but it was almost all Democrat. And then yesterday was a huge Democrat surge. And today I'm being told we won't know the numbers until tomorrow, but today appears to have been a very big Democratic surge. You have the Democrats now gaining momentum and they're gaining momentum at a significant pace. And that has Republicans in this state worried. There's another issue that has Republicans worried, and it is the president's statement today about the executive order. The group of people Democrats have been hoping would come rescue them are Hispanic voters. And Hispanic voters have not been highly mobilized. In fact, here in Georgia, you know, Republicans are convinced that Gwinnett County is is going to be gone soon, if not this year, within two to four years because of the major growth in the Hispanic population. Same in Cobb County and that they would vote Democrat. But they're not actually turning out at a significant rate this year. And you got a lot of Republicans who are worried that what the president has done was saying this, he's going to do this executive order and get rid of um, birthright citizenship is going to mobilize Hispanic voters to go out and vote against Republicans. They have not been mobilized. The Democrats have not found a message to mobilize these voters. And suddenly the president has handed them one. A lot of Republican strategists this evening, very, very upset about this. One Republican congressman uh, said on TV just a while ago, it was political malpractice for the president to do this because of what it was going to do to the Hispanic vote that was otherwise not showing up. Uh, So you got a real problem there. And Republicans are nervous. I am also aware of in several states when the president has gone into suburban areas to campaign for Republicans, the Democrats have benefited more than the Republicans. The Democrats have seen a big increase in female voters 
whenever the president shows up in suburban areas. That's why, by the way, it is very, very, very smart of the Kemp campaign to get the president in middle Georgia because middle Georgia doesn't have that that female suburban base that has turned on him in the way uh, the Atlanta suburbs do. And given the way media around the state plays, you're not going to have the attention in the Atlanta suburbs of the president's visit as you will in middle Georgia. And most of middle Georgia is very highly Republican, which benefits Brian Kemp. And then you got the vice president who doesn't uh, drive up Democratic antagonism, and he's going to go into the Atlanta area as well as Augusta and Savannah. That helps Brian Kemp. I'm not really worried that Kemp could lose the race. There are others who are really worried about it. I'm not. Um, what I'm seeing looks good. I am concerned, however, about the state legislature. We're definitely, Republicans are definitely going to lose seats in the state legislature. And there is the suburban mobilization that's happening uh, among women and black voters that looks very, very bad. I have had friends of mine telling me that the Kemp race is going to be a blowout. He's going to win. He's going to crush her. That's not happening. I think it's going to be a closer race than people expect. Uh, there are a lot of people who think it's going to go into a runoff. I, I'm not there yet on thinking it's going to go into a runoff, but it may. Uh, I think he would win in a runoff. I think he's going to win, but it's going to be far closer than people expected. It's going to make people very, very nervous. And, you know, the truth is it has more to do with the president than it does Brian Kemp. Uh, Democrats are just so amped up to protest the president. Now, that gets us back to the citizenship issue. But So now we, we go back to this issue of birthright citizenship. And I get there are a lot of people who oppose it, and I'm kind of indifferent on the issue. It doesn't affect me. I'm a citizen one way or the other. There are two ways to get citizenship. One is is blood right citizenship, and one is land right citizenship, uh, or birthright citizenship, some will refer to it. Um, blood right citizenship is your parents, one or both of your parents are citizens, therefore you are a citizen. Uh, the other is birthright citizenship or land right citizenship is you're born on the soil of the country. Therefore you become a citizen of that country. The, the civil governments, the civil code societies like France and Germany and whatnot that developed in central Europe and continental Europe from Roman law uh, went with blood right citizenship. It was the European, it was the British system, actually, the English system that as their empire expanded, they came up with birthright citizenship and the Americas um, adopted it. Yeah, I mean, for example, just uh, this list of countries in the United, in the Western Hemisphere that were all uh, English territories. You've got, um, let's see, Canada in there. You've got uh, Grenada is in there. Jamaica is in there. Uh, the Bahamas are in there. Uh, the United States is in there, obviously. Uh, by and large, these countries, Australia is a um, birthright citizenship. Um, a lot of these countries that came from English common law are birthright. Uh, that is, if you were born in a country, you became a citizen of that country. There is a legal debate in this country over this, but you should understand that it's a very recent phenomenon. Only in the last 20 years has this really been an issue. And the predominant number of lawyers are in the belief that the 14th Amendment gave birthright citizenship. And their argument for that 
is that uh, it was part of the American heritage. It was part of what our founders argued. Our founders argued in the American Revolution that they were British citizens because of birthright citizenship. They were born in a part of the British Empire. Therefore, they were British citizens. And when the Supreme Court in Dred Scott said birthright citizenship doesn't apply, the 14th Amendment was designed to overrule Dred Scott. Therefore, birthright citizenship must apply. That's the argument in a nutshell. It's a little more nuanced than that and complex, but that's the argument in a nutshell. The 14th Amendment was specifically written to address Dred Scott. Dred Scott had said birthright citizenship wasn't a thing. The 14th Amendment says it is. Therefore, it is. Now, you can change this through by changing the Constitution. It is arguable Congress could set some parameters on it based on the language of it, but that's what you're dealing with. Um, the alternative is the blood right citizenship that we see in continental Europe. And the danger there is you have a lot of people who never actually get deported and they have no hope of ever becoming citizens. And so they essentially you've got a bunch of people living in your country who aren't invested in your country. And we're not even this president hasn't been able to round up all the illegal aliens. So it seems like it'd be a very bad precedent for us to go that route. Um, we should probably want to have people who come here be invested. But you know what? All of this goes away if we just seal the border, which is what we should have done all along. It is 55 after the hour. An independent candidate and naturally a marijuana advocate in Vermont. Chris Erickson, she is of no relation, thank God. She has announced in her campaign platform that one of the things she wants to do is to pardon Vermont prisoners on live television based on the recommendations of a booing or cheering crowd. Uh, We've seen that movie. It was called Gladiator. (laughs) I think she's going to change her name to Lucius Aurelius Commodus and declare herself Empress of Vermont if she gets elected. My goodness. I'm actually kind of stunned that President Trump has thought of this. I mean, (laughs) the ratings would be stellar. Oh, wow. Independent candidates. You know, it it reminds me of the libertarian candidate here in Georgia uh, who is his entire platform is hemp or what have you. Um, So here's the crazy thing. I actually think that it is a blessing that the libertarian candidate is running because if nothing else, it largely ensures a check on the race going into a runoff in the worst case scenario for the Republicans. And I don't actually think it's going to go into a runoff yet. I actually think that uh, Kip's going to win it with over 50 percent of the vote. Um, but there are there are there's a fringe number of people in the state, one and a half to two percent who refuse to vote Republican or Democrat. And they cast a protest vote for the libertarians and they won't show up otherwise. And that denies the Republicans a second back check if they can't get to 50 percent in the general election. Not a bad thing. 